Sportsbook. Yo, yo, yo. What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome back to Game Over Edmonton. I'm your host, the one, the only, the debonair, Avery Lewis McDougal. I'm some guy. (laughs) Yo, this guy spoils my intro. This guy spoils the intro on me. Uh, I'm Mike Dangle. (laughs) Mike Dangle. Yes, Mike Dangle. Actually, no, this is longtime friend of Avery Sports Show, the Brian Avery Hour. It is Mr. Mike Wilson, someone who I've known for a long time in sports media. He's been my co-host on different projects. You can follow him on Twitter at kid underscore Atlantis. As we're here talking to you tonight about the Oilers' 6-5 win on the road against the Chicago Blackhawks. Ooh-wee! Mike, wasn't that exciting? That was, uh, it was quite the game. Um, a bit a bit too exciting for, for my taste, but... You know, if you're a neutral fan, uh, you got you got a lot out of it, except for, you know, a bit, uh, all the penalties kind of, it ruins the flow of the game. It's tough. You <laughs> want to see goals, you want to see scoring chances, but that's a rough way to do it. Right? It was a game in which we saw 17 combined uh, power plays, 10 for Chicago. 10, and if you're both teams, the momentum was taken away. If you're Chicago and if you're Edmonton, it sucks to have, a lack of flow. We saw very little 5-1-5 play, and you tweeted out earlier during the game, I think it was a certain at a point in the second period, where there was 437 of 5 Yeah, it finished time. at 456. 456. 456. Uh, if, you want, if you want context, the first period had 16 minutes of 5-1-5 five play, and 12-15 in a still penalty-heavy third period. So, yeah, that was a slog of a second period. No, that was, that was a... Uh, bonafide ref show as our friend Lotide called it like that was a game like that's the kind of game in which yes it was a game that saw 11 goals but no one goes to a game to watch officials call a game that tight it, it was ridiculous at times Mike no and it's like I'm not someone who likes to talk about the refs too much um I think it's bad analysis a lot of people get caught up to in it uh too caught up into it no I want to see the players play and, and evaluate that way but you know they make it tough especially on some you know pretty meaningful plays in the game no, it's very true, and we saw the we saw the game the officiating. An example that was just shocking to me was the Evander Kane goal, no goal, in which Kane's at the front of the net, he's pushed into Al Stalock by Caleb Jones, and then the official at, at the front of the net signals goal, signals goal, and then the officials say it's no goal, and they review it, they look at it, and they say it's no goal. Like that is. To me, if you're the NHL, you can't have an official pointing right there at the front of the net goal, have that ruled a no goal, and then when they play with it, where the, there was no clear interference, have that ruled no goal. Like, I don't understand. It doesn't matter what team you're watching. It doesn't matter I think if it's the- Edmonton or Chicago. That was a bad call. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I think it, I think the problem started a bit earlier than that too. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what the exact time is, but I know it was either in the first or early in the second. Marcus Niemelainen got a penalty for interference, fighting in front of the net, and I think that's fine. Interference is a frustrating one, especially you know when you're someone who watches a lot of Connor McDavid. He dumps the puck in and immediately gets mugged by one or usually two guys, and you know rarely do you get a call for interference there. So you go, okay, fine. You know what? It was away from the play. They're fighting away from the puck. Marcus Niemelainen is a strong guy, but he knocked him over, and that's fine. Um, you get a penalty for interference there. Okay. Then you get uh, an interesting call later in the game where Evander Kane is fighting in front of the net. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Connor Murphy 
gives him a cross check in the back. Um, there's no call there. That's not established as, you know, you establish with the Nima Linen penalty. You don't want that kind of rough stuff in front of the net. So, okay. Um, Evander Kane doesn't get the call there, goes and, you know, cross checks Connor Murphy back. I don't know if that's the, that's not the smart thing to do. I, I'm not condoning Evander Kane do that, especially the second one. Um, you get the first one in, you see the penalty, you know, cut your losses, maybe, um, and take the four minute penalty. Um, that one, that one really, that one really didn't make a lot of sense. And then, so you're Evander Kane, you're on top of mind for the refs because you already take a double minor. And then you get this call where, you know, Evander Kane is pushed into the goaltender outside of the paint. Alex Daylock, you know, goes down. Evander Kane's not trying to get out of the way by any means or getting up fast. You know, why, why would he? Um, Alex Daylock gets up, reestablishes positioning without a stick, makes the save on Darnell Nurse, and the uh, puck bounces right back to Kane, who scores. Um, the problem isn't that they called it a goal, like the ref right there called it a goal. The refs are allowed to meet up, um, you know, make make you know conference and and reestablish what the call on the ice is. That's fine. I just don't understand how you can look back at that and then deem that that goal shouldn't have counted. Um, it just it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, the goalie might've been down and out, but one, he was pushed and two, he established positioning. Um, I think it just opens up to, you know, in, in what scoring chances, the defenseman's supposed to just like push a guy into his old goaltender thinking, you know, where he's immune now. And, right. and because the goaltender has been touched, you know, a goal can't go in. I think it's just a bit of shaky reasoning. Um, and when we're talking about inconsistency of calls and, and how the league wants and how it impacts the product for me, it always goes down to, um, you know, like it or not, a lot of revenue around the league and a lot of content is, is gambling now. Um, and if you're a- advertising a game um, that you want people to bet on, you want you want those results to be a bit reliable and you don't want to think, are the refs going to take it into control over time? Or are they going to make calls that align with the rule book? Yeah, I agree. And, uh, and for those in the background, you can hear. Yeah. Avery stall for a second. I'm going to go take care, <laughs> take care of the dog. I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the first time on, maybe it's happened on the Steve Dangle podcast where Iggy interrupted Steve on the show. But yeah, so Mike and his girlfriend have a dog who barks somewhat, but not this much. So Mike will be taking care of his dog. That's a fan of the first. They have a dog interrupt the show. And you know what? You know, again, this is a Sorry, Alma was really fired up about that call, too. Oh, I can imagine. As she should have been. As she should have been. been. As she should have been. But, you know, uh, the Oilers, they made it count on the power play. They got, I think they were three for seven Mm -hmm, on the power play, which is a pretty good percentage. You know, I I think in most games where a lot of the play is not going to be five on five, that still benefits the Oilers. I think they have a lot to do. Uh, on the penalty kill too. I mm-hmm. really wasn't impressed with that and haven't been this year. I think it's a bit, you know, Dennis King uh, on Twitter put it as lazy. And and I think, I don't know if that's, you know, the plan is, but they're really not aggressive. They're not getting out. They're not skating. And it's frustrating because there's a lot of good skaters uh, that they trust a penalty kill. And I think, you know, if you let them pressure a bit more, you get better numbers. They had one kill at the start of the third period where I thought they pressured a lot more and it was really hard for Chicago to gain control. But when you're just going to let them, you know, pass the puck around and, and watch them, you know, they have enough skilled players in Kane and Taves um, that they're going to make you pay. No, I totally agree with that. You mentioned the penalty kill and penalties. You know, a guy who I thought, again, rookie player he'll develop more was Dylan Holloway. He took two penalties. You could see once again that to an extent, 
Holloway struggled there in that game, and the game speed is going to come to him, but you saw he put himself in a situation where he took two penalties, and I think it really comes to where he has to learn, again, keeping up with the play and not taking those penalties. But you're right, in general, though, the penalty kill to start the year, it's been very mid-tier, it should be better, and this team can't rely too much on the power play to bail them out of trouble um, when, as the season goes deeper, Mike. No, because you, you get these games where, you know, the refs will call everything. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you're, you get mad at the refs for a lot of inconsistent things. I think a lot of the calls that were made were blatant penalties and lazy penalties. Um, and you're going to have games later or in the playoffs or whatever where, you know, the refs aren't going to call anything. And, and you know, you got to figure out a way to score five on five. I think the Oilers have been five, five, five on five. They still carried the play in this game um, possession-wise. So, that, so I'm not worried about that at all. Um, they did it again against St. Louis last night too. I don't, I'm not worried about where the team is five on five, but I would like to see the penalty kill improve or be a bit more aggressive on Dylan Holloway. Um, it's, it's tough. You know, you, you can't take two penalties like that, no. but again, not overly long-term worried. He had a good shift in the third period where, you know, he really used his legs and he's, he's a really good skater. So you want to see more of that, less taking the penalties, but uh, it's really in the year. It's his first year. You're getting acclimated to the league. Um, I don't think it's a red flag or anything. No, exactly, because what? He's now played in, what, three games that matter. So, yeah, he's a rookie, rookie player. And he said to me in the locker room when I interviewed him for the Hockey News how he wants to acclimatize his speed more, keep up with the pace. So if, if anyone is worried by Dylan Holloway right now, don't be. Do not get worried. Do, please, don't sound any red flag of a guy who played in his third game in the NHL level. There's no right. mechanic and he's Dylan just coming Holloway. off of missing time with a concussion. Um. Not not a lot of not a big sample to evaluate him on. I thought um, he he just did a he did have a flash of what you're looking for from him. So I'll no, take that. exactly. No, he is a guy where when he gets a little bit more experience in this league, he is going to be a solid top six forward on his Edmonton roster. And Mike, you mentioned sports gambling earlier, so you know what I'm going to say. It's time for an addery. Want to bet? Gamble, 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 gamble. Gamble. Do I not deal with you? Where are they gambling, do Avery? Not, do you not deal with the sarcastic? The sarcastic. Where are we gambling? Where tell are we us. gambling? Who's I'll possible. tell you in a second. I'll let you know. I will let you know, Mr. Wilson. Want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction, Canada's sports book. Football continues. The World Series is around the corner. And you've dropped the puck on the hockey season. That we bet did. pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Made bet which hat Avery is wearing. I can't see him on this call. YouTube comments, is he wearing a fedora? <laughs> There's good odds on that. Made for Canadians by Canadians. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all, what all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. That's sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. Tell them everything. <laughs> Ontario only. Got to be 19 plus. And that's what you do, kids. That is how Thanks you do for it. lovely sponsors. That is how you do it. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So, again, Connor McDavid. He's Michael. great. Isn't he great? Right where you're putting it. Another hat trick. 12 for his career. And I said it last time on the show, Mike. I said it yesterday. I still feel we have not seen the peak of Connor McDavid. I just don't think we're there yet. I, I mean, he's, 20, he's 25. Like, I think we're getting pretty close to the peak. Close. As far as, like, athletic like, goes. 
I don't know what else you're looking for. I this is the guy. Remember, I said I said on the show last night. This is the guy where I thought the peak was a couple of years ago, and then the man went and had 105 points in less than 60 games. Like he keeps on surprising all of us. I really think that he's going to have a 50 goal season this year. I mean, I don't think a 50 goal season would be surprising. He came into the year saying, you know, I want to shoot more. I want to score more goals. Uh, I think he's showing that. I think we all knew. Hey man, I bet if you shot more, you could score more goals. And he was like, Oh yeah, I bet you're right. And and we're seeing it. Um, poor, poor Jake McCabe never had a chance. And it's so funny because you're normally, you normally see McDavid beat guys off the rush. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they blow a tire. He, they just can't get their hips around fast enough, but this one is just in space stationary, just has the puck on a string, walks around him, puts it five hole on Alex Daylock. Um, it was a thing of beauty. Like this is the kind of guy in which, if, I know we're only in October. It's a young season, but man, it's going to be tough to not make him the MVP when the season is said and done. Like, it's going to be tough to vote against him, I feel, come the summertime. I'm always mad about voter fatigue. Um, I, I don't I don't understand it. I know I don't get people being sick of watching, you know, star players be good year in year mm-hmm. out. I think, I think if McDavid, you know, does everything that everyone expects him to do or, or, you know, exceeds expectations as he, as he can show that he can do somehow still. Um, it's, it's pretty, it should be pretty easy to give him that award. I'm not saying that, you know, he's lost it uh, in recently in years. He should have had it. I think Austin Matthews was fully deserving last year. Um, I mean, but yes. With the year he started, I don't think you need to, to get too mixed up and, and find some new names. I think, I think Connor McDavid is as good as, Everyone knows he is and, and should get rewarded as such. No, of course. And I, I agree with that. The, the voter fatigue thing, I just don't get it, though. How do you not want to honor greatness, no matter if it's a McDavid, a Dreisaitl, a Matthews? If a guy goes out and has a 124-point year, a 60-goal campaign, and if he's won it before three or four times, that shouldn't matter. If he's the best player in the league, he's the best player in the league. It shouldn't matter how many times he voted for the guy. Yeah. No, I Avery, we're being so positive. It was a 6-5 win. What are we mad at? <laughs> what are we, we went over it. The fact that there was... Yeah, the fact that there were 10 power plays for Chicago. Like, that cannot happen every night. That Even cannot if happen every five night. Five though, I think the D, the D is still not good enough. No, there were, there, were, there were certain plays in which D was, oof, I mean, you have to see you goal. That was a little... It was like, ah, oh, God. You know what? That oh. was... that was that's I, I love that goal, um, watching it watching it again, looking back because Darnell nurse is in no man's land. And I think the problem with him is he's a good player. He's got good offensive instincts, but he just gets lost sometimes. And especially when, you know, he's scoring goals, you know, almost got, you know, had that assist on the play goal yesterday with with a good shot. Uh, I think he just tries to do a bit too much, gets caught in the ozone. And then there's just no one back there to stop Andreas Athanasiu, who is he's fast, but, um, you should have two demon back there. And my favorite thing about that is that was the only uh, five on five Corsi event against Darnell nurse in that period. It was 10 to one. The only shot attempt um, when he was on the ice, that period was that goal where he was just in no man's land. And a lot of people get frustrated at Darnell nurse and rightly so, because he makes those kind of mistakes. And, you know, you don't want that of your $9.3 million D man. Um, but overall he's had a pretty good year. And it's just one of those plays where, you know, it looks bad, but if you look at the overall play, he has been really good. Now, their defensive play as a whole, still not good enough. They were outchanced, I think, 7-1, to one, uh, uh, yeah, in the game, high danger, uh, despite, you know, controlling most of the play. Um, and that's another reason why, if you go even further to, 
you know, the problem with giving up five goals and Jack Campbell. I don't think Jack Campbell had a great game. I don't think he's had a great start, but I don't think he had a chance on a lot of them. And I'm not saying that like wave away the goals, you know, you know, you know, we don't have to worry about that one. I'm just saying the Oilers gave up, I think 4.7 expected goals against and allowed five. So that's about par for the course. Now, Stuart Skinner went out yesterday and saved two, two to two and a half more uh, goals than expected, um, which was, you know, insane. And, and you love to get that from your backup. I don't think there's a goalie controversy here. Uh, I just, I just don't want to, uh, you know, I'm just not going to put the blame on Cam, uh, Campbell. I just think the D has to be a bit more, you know, aware. No, I totally, I totally agree with that. There is not a goalie controversy, but I, I agree. We saw again, again, St. Louis, they were a lot of high danger chances that Skinner had to make saves on. And I know it's early, but you can't go into November, December, January, giving that many chances inside five feet against elite teams. You can't do that. And it's going to have to be improved. And you see a guy like Darnell Nurse. So I, I love Darnell Nurse. I know, you know what? I will never be mad against a brother making money. I'll never be mad again about a brother making $9 million. No, and I, and I, know, I, think, I think a lot of the blame on that is like um, poorly placed on nurse. Like, if, mm-hmm. I mean, if someone's going to offer you that contract, you got to take it. Yeah. But also, if you look at who who is to blame, it's it's management for giving him two bridge deals. Mm-hmm. You know, they had multiple times where they could have given him a long term extension. When we were looking at like, oh well, maybe he'll get the Josh Morrissey like you know, uh, eight times six and a half. Um, but they decided to sign Alex Chase on to a two year. $2.1 million deal and that ate up the money. Um, so they had to bridge him and then they bridged him again at five and, you know, he came calling and said, okay, well, it's, it's time to pay me. You bridged me twice and yep, you can't let him leave with Oster Clefbaum gone and uh, him being s- such a big part of your core, you kind of got put over a barrel and, and I'm not saying that's, and that's, that's directly management's fault that they were in that position in the first place. Uh, like, like that's just the, the common theme of, the Oilers and contracts and management and handling D-man. Like, it's just a common theme that just keeps on replaying over and over and over again. If it's Chirelli or Holland. the can down the road and not planning, right? It's <laughs> it's the same it's the same thing this year mm-hmm. where they have to play, you know, with 20 pe- players on the roster. Um, and you have, you know, a non-zero amount of cap space being taken up by Matthias Janmark, who was not a guy they needed to have who makes above um variable money so his you know he's just starting to play in the ahl but he's still making money and you know if you're going to say we're going to sign him give him that money the expectation of trading away pulley um that's just bad business because pulley is a much better hockey player no he really is he mentioned matthias Janmark. like that's the kind of guy like i didn't mind him in vegas but you didn't need him on this roster here he wasn't needed and to have him sitting yeah. in bakersfield it was a waste of a deal to have him playing in ahl and again you mentioned there the idea of Trading Pooley RV, like I, I'm just frustrated. It just frustrates me how so many people, how people again don't see the value in Yessi. I mean, sure, have there been some games where he hasn't been, where you know he has struggled? Sure, but I said before, he's still your best defensive forward away from the puck. He still, he still contributes quite a bit defensively. Like, and the idea yeah, that and- this roster is better with him away from this team, like I don't get that. I really don't. It makes no sense. His line's been dominant. That uh, McLeod Fogel Pooley RV line, amazing been line. Oh um, gosh. And, and, you're, and you know, you're not going to give them uh, too much because, you know, they're a third line playing third line minutes, but at five on five, they were, they, had, they were seven to one for Corsi uh, as a line together played seven twenty two five on five. Uh, the one thing with those guys that really uh, puzzled me mm. was 
with all that time on the PK, you know, you talked in training camp, they were saying Warren Fogle, you know, they want to give him some penalty kill time. And yes, he pulled you know, we think he's the best, um, you know, defensive player on the team, which, which I would agree. Both of those guys uh, were the only two forwards besides Dylan Holloway, not to receive time on the PK. Um, I get that you have guys ahead of them, but you know, I don't think Evander Kane should have a minute 15. That guy's a disaster defensively. I get putting him out there with a few seconds left um, to try to get, you know, offensive pressure right away. But I just think you could use guys like Holloway, Pulleyard, or not, sorry, well, Holloway eventually, uh, but yes. Pulleyard and Fogel uh, on the PK to keep him a bit more involved in the game because they've been doing really well. No, they have been. They have been. And you know what? Well, I'm going to go through some of the comments here because, you know, I wasn't able to track that talking to you and talking to the people here. And <laughs> yeah, oh, I wanted to, I want to say hi, Taylor. Hope you're listening. Yes. Hopefully Taylor is listening. Our, our buddy Taylor. And there's a comment here. Oh, he's, is it? It's going to podcast tomorrow. So. Right. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Am I, is it Taylor here? There's someone here no. saying, oh, there's someone here that was saying. Oh, there might be a different Taylor. Oh, okay. Oh, no. It's um Zeke. 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 Hi, Mike. You're cute. Wow, Mike's got, a, Mike's got some fans. <laughs> okay. That one's not for the podcast listeners. Well, hey, the ones watching my video are probably appreciating that. Wow, no one's ever called me cute on a podcast before. That's crazy. Avery, I think you're cute. How about that? <laughs> Everyone sound off in the comments. Tell Avery that he's cute. Wow, that... <laughs> That is funny. Also, Travis, I can't see him right now, so but but I trust that that you're looking. No, you know I you know I gotta be on point. The suit's looking good. The hat's looking good. Always, always, sir. I see other comments here. Uh, Travis Saltner, McDavid's on pace for 20 hat tricks this year. You know, if I say were, he does it, if there were any other player in the league, Mike, any other player, I would say not a chance. But Connor McDavid, that's entirely plausible. Yeah, he's going. He's going for Gretzky's record. You know, it is entirely plausible for Carmen David to do something like that. And, they, and there's a lot of comments here. There's just a, there's a lot of comments on the officiating. And I just looked at that. And another thing, Mike, that, with the officiating, you know what I thought? I, I've said it before. Uh, I'm uh, sorry. I, I will say, so go ahead, you know, Mike. it's fun to have uh, a game where you have problems with the officiating and mm. it costs you directly on the scoreboard. But you win. You win in regulation. You yes. get to move on. You know, if this was a game they blew, um, it would feel a lot worse. And, and obviously we'd be a bit more fired up towards the officials when the Oilers are up by four uh, with four minutes left in the game. I was watching this and be like, okay, I really want to judge this team on how they close the game. Um, you know, you're finally playing some five on five minutes. You have a one goal lead. You're playing a not great team. And I know Chicago has been a bit hot this year, but they're not, they're not a good team. And everyone knows that um, the Oilers as a good team should be able to shut this down get out of here with a win. And they, they were not able to shut it down, but they were able to get a win on a play that I really want to highlight um, because it was a really good steal in the slot for Kyler Yamamoto, took the puck, gave it to Kane cross ice to dry sidle for the game winning goal. And what I loved so much about that is that was the play from Yamamoto that got him in the top six in the first place back in 2019, 2020, before the pandemic, there was that magical dry Nuge Yamamoto line. And what made that line work was the forechecking and Nuge and Yamamoto going on the board, stealing pucks and putting it on a tee for dry side. Like that's how it worked. And we saw that on that last play there with uh, 
Kane in, in the Nugent Hopkins role, but it's really, it's a puck going up ice. Yamamoto creates a turnover, gets the puck to high danger and they score. And that's what you need to remove. He's been getting first line minutes and not been delivering. He, he doesn't quite have the shot, but he's even stand, still, he's not getting it off as much. So if you want him to play that role, that role has to be a forechecking role. It has to be defensive conscious, right? And if he's going to create those turnovers in the offensive zone, that's that's what he needs to do to stick there. Now, uh, I've been one of the guys saying Pulley is a better fit on that line, but that's because that's what he does. He goes on the boards, he turns the puck over, and he gets it to McDavid. People say, you know, he's not confident with the puck. McDavid doesn't want to pass to him. You know, I think that's hearsay. But even if that's true, if I have Jesse Pugliarvi and Connor McDavid on the ice, which one do you think I want having the puck? It's Connor McDavid. So if, if you're if there's a guy whose job it is to just get him the puck and then create space for him and, you know, get some rebounds, that's great. And that's a guy, and that's what I think a perfect role for Jesse Pugliarvi. And I think people think they try to grade him on a play – as a player that he's not a goal scorer. He's not, he doesn't have the finish, um, but he does a lot of good away from the puck. And I think Yamamoto's kind of gotten away from that. And that goal was a prime example of what he can do and what he needs to keep doing on that line. No, exactly. I totally agree, Mike, because there were a few games earlier this when the season started back at home in which I was watching Kyler on that line and he was quiet. He wasn't doing that. He wasn't shooting the puck. with maybe giving him the puck in that first line. I, I agree. He's got to do more of those things to remain on that first line. And I agree again with Yessi. Yessi's job is, if he's in the top six, it is not to score goals. It is to get the puck to Dreisaitl and to um, Carter when he's on, on that top line. Like I saw last year, there a couple of games last year where I saw perfectly the puck, you guys are trying to clear the puck. Game against Nashville, they're trying to clear the puck. Yessi goes to the board's heart, gets the puck back, gets to the front of the net for Dreisaitl and McDavid. And it's things he does over and over again that if you watch the game, you notice he excels at. But some people say he doesn't do well. Which is not well because- it's, it's, it's watching too much of the puck, right? If you're only watching the puck and you're watching the players who make plays with the puck, mm-hmm. he's not going to look great to you because, you know, he doesn't have a lot of confidence and he's not doing, you know, he's not making, uh, he's not shooting the puck well. But if you watch away from the puck mm-hmm. and, and he does, but I guess, you know, even last night on that goal he scored, he went and made a great pass to Warren Fogle to break out of the zone. Fogle went in, dropped the pass to Nurse, and Pugliarvi was there in the slot to tip it away. Yes. Like, that's perfect. Um, so I, I just don't, you know, there's a big divide with, with Oilers fans and whether you're pro or or against Pugliarvi. It's, it's really weird because he's a really good player. He's a really useful player uh, and does a job on this team that other players don't. Um, no, exactly. I think it's important to have that guy to keep him. It, you know, it doesn't sound like it's going to be a long-term fit, but that's unfortunate because uh, I think he does what people think Yamamoto does uh, a lot better. And I'm a big Yamamoto guy too, but he, he, they're, they're both struggled um, at the start of the season to really uh, produce. And it was good to see going back to the first point, Yamamoto uh, playing like that uh, to end the game. No, exactly. And I feel like there is value to both these guys on the roster. They both bring skills and valuable on its roster, and even Yessi, like, watching it. And remember, Yessi's a big boy. He's a six foot three, six foot four guy. He goes to the net. He is valuable, like we saw, getting tips, being in front of the net. So that's a value that. space, right? If you back yeah. into a man, you give Connor McDavid an extra five, uh, five feet of space, that's all he needs. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And my mic, 
before we wrap things up here, Edmonton will finish your road trip on to on Saturday. Yes, Saturday night, taking on the Calgary Flames in Calgary. What that game looked good, game? hey? What you, right? Oh, what are your thoughts on that game on to end the road trip here, Mike, against Calgary? Yeah, you know, it's pretty exciting. It's another test. You know, they they they've had a weird start to the year where you know a lot of years recently they've come out of barn burners and uh you know on big winning streaks to start this year wasn't one of them they're five and three now which is fine i think they're playing good hockey i think it's a good test against you know a a really good flames team that have beaten a lot of really good opponents um so you know it it sucks that there was only three battle of alberta games scheduled this year it makes no sense and to have two of them already done uh going into november is 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 even weirder but i think it's going to be a great hockey game um and and a great test for a team that's looking to keep building game by game as they're trying to become contenders. No, of course. And watching Calgary play, even the, even the game against um, Edmonton back at home, someone who I knew was going to be a good fit in Calgary was Nazem Kadri. He is someone who's putting up the points early. Like he, Nazem Kadri, Huberto, uh, Uyghur, they're making Bradshaw Living look very, very smart after a summer that could have been a disaster for him. Yeah, Nazem Kadri rules. You know, he he's a guy, you know, not on the side of 30 that you want to be for a guy who just got a big contract, but for right now he's delivering. And when you sign those kind of deals, you're looking short term more than more than long term <laughs> uh, to keep your cup contender window open. And you know, I thought going into the year that they would take a, a bit of a step back. I think Goudreau and Kachuk are a bit better uh, players than Huberto and Kadri are. But adding Mackenzie Wegar, he's a stud. Um, and just you know, they played really good hockey all year last year. Um, and, and wasn't, you know, much of a inclination that that was going to change. Um, and, and those are still two really good players. So I, you know, I, obviously, uh, I'm not a big flames lover, but Nazem Kadri, great hockey player, fun to watch. And, and I'm glad he's having success. No, as am I great guy to watch. Great, great person, great player. Love seeing him do well down in Calgary. Anyways, we're going to wrap things up here on game over Edmonton. Mike, thank you for doing the show. Got to get you back on again sometime. Appreciate it. Anyways, I'm Avery Lewis McDougall. Watch the recap. (laughs) Watch the replay on YouTube and listen to the podcast. Anyways, we're out. Stay safe. Good night. Get your sleep. Eight hours. Later.